In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is one of the most dramatic scenes that we witness in the scriptures. It's, it's a pretty intense scene in, in the ministry of Christ. Let's picture this for a moment just to kind of put this in context. So we know that there is this funeral. This widow just lost her son. And so there's a large crowd in this funeral procession, right? Everyone in the city is mourning with this woman. And typically, you would bury the dead outside of the village or outside of the city. So there's this funeral procession, everyone leaving the city of Nain, going through the gate outside to bury this man who just departed. Now, on the other side, you have Christ, who also has this large crowd following him, and he is entering the city of Nain. Right? And so I want you to picture this. There's basically a clash between two different crowds, two large crowds. One heading out of the city for a funeral, and one entering the city led by Christ. Okay? One that is mourning, one that is leaving, one that is hopeless, one that is consumed in this tragedy of a widow who just lost her only son. Complete despair and hopelessness. And another crowd led by the source of all hope. Another crowd led by the source of life himself. Another crowd was led by the light of the world. Right? And so you have this clash between death and life. This clash between despair and hope. Right? It's, it's almost like this crazy traffic jam. Right? And this is like a big city. This is just a small city, just a couple of hundred people. And there's this narrow gate. Right? So there's no way for both crowds to pass through at the same time. Right? It's a serious traffic jam. One has to win. One has to break through the other. Right? Now, who breaks through? Is it death and this funeral? Or is it life and hope? Of course, it's Christ. This is how he, tra- he handles traffic jams. Right? I-, I wish I had this sort of talent. Whenever I'm stuck on the 4 or 5, I can just break through and, <laughs> and get to my destination. Christ here arrives at the gate and he turns things in a 180. He turns this procession entirely around. They were heading towards a burial and then they returned back celebrating glorifying God for what just happened. Right? And so it was hope that broke through the despair. It was life that broke through death. Right? And when Christ confronts our despair, when He confronts our struggles, our tribulations, our adversities, He always turns it around. He always breaks through. We know that Christ is our hope. And the church constantly reminds us of this reality in the liturgical prayers. In the Litany of the Sick, we say that Christ is the hope of those who have no hope and the help of those who have no helper. In the fraction of St. Basil, we say that He is the help of those who flee to Him, the hope of those who cry out to Him. And Christ does this in a very strange way. Remember, whenever he sees this woman, before he raises her son, he says what? Do not weep. 
That's a bit strange. Like, what do you mean do not weep? I just lost my son. I have no one else. I've been a widow. I don't have any other family. And whenever you have no one to take care of you in that culture, when your family is all gone, it's a rough life. What do you mean don't weep? Don't weep because the source of hope is present. Don't weep because the source of life is present. And that's what Christ tells us before He turns things around. And He calls us to have hope in the invisible, to have faith in what we do not see. There's a figure in the life of the church that embodies this hope and faith. The father of all hope and faith. And that's Abraham. Remember that he was called to leave his people, to leave his town and walk by faith, right? To put his hope in the invisible. To put his hope in what he does not see. Did Abraham ever see the fulfillment of the promise that God gave him? Think about it for a moment. Did he see the fruit of his labor? God promised him that he will be a father of many nations. Right? Did he see his descendants? Did he see many nations from his offspring? For years he waited for at least just one son. He waited for just one son, let alone to have many nations. Remember, Ishmael was illegitimate, so he had to get rid of him and Hagar. Right? And then a little later, finally Isaac came along. Right? And you could say maybe he saw Isaac's children whenever they were younger, Jacob and Esau, maybe whenever they were like little rowdy teenagers. Okay, fine, he saw two generations of just a handful of children. How is that? you will be a father of many nations. What Abraham didn't realize at the time is that there is a mystery in the hope that he was called to walk. In Galatians 3.16, St. Paul says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He doesn't say, And to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is what? Who is Christ? Abraham didn't know this at the time. That his promise was not necessarily to be a father of many nations. But he was the father that will give the heir to the one who will save many nations. Who is Christ. This is the seed, Christ. And and it's specifically singular in that sense. Abraham was called to walk by faith and to put his hope in what he does not see. He had no visible evidence or proof or signs or assurances to confirm his hope. He had nothing. All he saw was just a shadow. Whenever he went to slaughter his son Isaac, and then he saw a glimpse of this resurrection. Right? This is all he had to live. The only fuel that kept his hope alive was just this little shadow. Yet, he continued to walk by faith and hope. Hope, by definition, is invisible. If you look at your life and assess whether you have hope or not, you will measure it by the faith that you have in what you cannot see. Because if you see what's in front of you, how can you hope in what's evident? 
Right? Like, I can't say I have hope that Daniel will be here. I see him. He's right there. There's no hope to put in that. In Romans 8, 24 and 25, St. Paul makes this very clear. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. How many of us have tribulations and adversities and struggles, illnesses in our life and our families and our relatives, and we're still waiting? We're waiting to, to see the end. We're waiting for God to come and save, save us from this tribulation, to solve this problem. We're waiting, we're hoping for what we do not see. That's hope. And a lot of times, we don't ever see the end. We don't ever see the fulfillment of God's promises. I'm constantly reminded in my own life, whenever I was a young, rowdy little teenager, and so many servants were trying to serve me and to help me and to guide me. And they would put in so much time and energy to connect me to God in the church. And I was just totally rebellious. I was resistant to all of their efforts. And every time they would try, it was in vain. And I look back at that, and so many of these servants that moved away because of different work or their families just relocated and I obviously moved from a different state they probably have no idea where I am now (laughs) no idea just lost touch but they invested they served they gave their love they gave their prayers for someone that they cared about did they ever see the fruit of their labor Did you see that finally this lost little child is trying to be a good person? Not that I am, but at least trying. No, I would say most of them didn't. And so God calls us to walk by hope, even despite the lack of evidence to see the end. Not only is hope blind to the outcomes of of God's promises, but... It's called to walk without any assurances of visible signs. That's the hallmark of hope. That's what Christ was coming to give this widow. Right? To give her the assurance in His providence, despite the lack of physical, visible signs and assurances. Think about what visible sign God gave Abraham. What assurance did he have along the way? In Romans 4.18, Paul says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. How did Abraham hope? He hoped against hope. He hoped whenever there was no reason to hope. He hoped in opposition to whatever makes sense to hope. This is what real hope is about. It's not whenever you see, not whenever the end is evident, not whenever God's promises are clear. 
But when we're walking through the darkness, there's no reason to hope. There are no signs or visible assurances. And we're still walking. And we're still confident in Christ. We're still peaceful. We're still content with the situation despite how painful or agonizing it may be. Again, what sign did Abraham see? You might think that God showed Abraham the, the sign of all of these stars in the heaven whenever he said, look at the stars and if you can number them, you know, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the heaven. And sure, that was kind of like a sign for Abraham. But let's take a closer look at this for a moment. Because there's an interesting quality about this situation. Whenever God promises Abraham many descendants, Abraham objects. He says, you haven't given me so much as one offspring, let alone many nations. So God responds and says, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. This is in Genesis 15.5. Look to heaven and number the stars. Tell me if you can number them. Right? And so we typically visualize this as a scene whenever Abraham is sitting out in the middle of the night and it's a clear sky and you know the sky is like spangled with stars all over and so many innumerable stars, countless stars that he can't even number them because of the abundance of stars. That's typically what we envision, right? If you take a closer look at this, you notice something incredibly strange. That God calls Abraham to go out and number the stars in broad daylight. That this event happens in the middle of the day. And there's not a single star in sight. So God is calling him to say, look at the stars, tell me if you can number them. How am I going to number the stars? Like there's not a single star to see. (laughs) And so God is not telling Abraham, you're going to have a multitude of descendants. That's not the point. God is telling Abraham, just as you know the stars are in heaven and you can't number a single one of them, you have to put your hope in me despite what you can't see. That's what hope is all about. And that's what we're called to do, to put our hope in Christ, despite the lack of visible assurances that we have. It's as if God is telling him, put your hope in the invisible and don't depend on these physical assurances. And trust me, God doesn't owe us any physical assurances. He doesn't owe us any visible signs. I'll just conclude with a very simple example from a life of a saint in the church. We know in 1968, St. Mary started appearing in the church of Zaytun, right? And this was a testimony of the holiness of St. Pope Krolos's ministry and his papacy. Right? And a lot of people were amazed by her apparition. A lot of people would go out and see her. Right? But what was even more amazing that you know, the Pope sent out delegates to check this phenomena, just to va- verify that St. Mary is truly appearing. But he himself never went out to the church of Zaytun to see her. He himself never went out. And so people came to him and said, 
what's going on? Like, you don't like St. Mary or what? Like, you don't want to go see her? Why haven't you gone? You know what he said in response? Why would I need to make the trip all the way out there when I believe she's with me every day? He didn't need that visible assurance. He didn't need those visible signs. He didn't need something tangible because he put his hope in the invisible. And that's the assurance that gave St. Pope Krullus the hope to continue walking and serving and loving with his whole heart. Right? And he went through the most miserable ministry. But what is it that kept him alive? Not just to get by, because you know a lot of times we're struggling, we have the weight of the world on our shoulders, like, oh, how you doing? I'm trying to get by. You know how it is, it's one day after another. Or the lame little phrase, another day, another dollar. <laughs> I'm just getting by. That wasn't St. Pope Krolos. In the midst of all the adversities, he wasn't surviving. He was thriving. He was full of joy and peace. Why? Because he put his hope in God. He put his hope in the invisible and he walked without this dependence on visible assurances. Today, God is calling us to do the same. He sees us in our despair. He sees us in our adversities, in our struggles. And we're walking along in this funeral procession, mourning, hopeless. Here comes Christ, the source of life and the source of hope, telling us, turn it around. You're going back into the city. You're going to continue to live. Why? Because I am here. May God's presence be a reality in our life, that we may praise Him and glorify Him forever and ever. Amen.